listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump into part two today. Um which I'm glad to have Carolyn here before because some of this that we want to talk about is going to be, uh, and probably most all of it, is going to be very practical on that level. Um, we broke this down into three days. It was um, know your God was yesterday. You can't have any successful relationship if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't understand uh, your new identity as a believer because that's really what defines uh, everything about you. And one of the interesting things, I think I told you this, we were dealing with, uh, when I read the book that Tiffany recommended, Atomic Habits, um, one of the things he said in there, which was very cool and it applies to Christianity, is they studied t- two different types of smokers that were trying to quit smoking. And they said the one, the one type uh, always failed to break that habit because they said every time they were offered a cigarette, the person would say, no, I'm trying to quit. Whereas the person who successfully quit smoking, when they were offered a cigarette, they said, no, I'm not a smoker. (laughs) So they changed their whole identity to say like, no, that's not even who I am anymore. I read another thing about a guy who said he always had a hard time eating right and exercising until he changed his identity and started calling himself an athlete. He said, no, that's not, athletes don't eat that. Athletes work out daily. And when he changed his identity, it changed everything about him. That's like people who haven't, been drinking forever and they go, but they're always like, they I'm a recovering make alcoholic. you identify as your past. Yeah. And when you're identified with your past, that's like keeping a ball and chain exactly. on your life. You can't keep identifying with the old. Right. You've got to identify with the new. That's, that's so big for people because, you know, I don't think people in the body of Christ catch that principle and it keeps them in, in bondage. It's like, if you always, I always tell people this, if if God doesn't remember it anymore, why are you still remembering it? Yeah. You know, if he's Bring cast your old life years. into the sea of forgetfulness, why are you still remembering it? Because then they live through it, the guilt of it, the shame of it, whatever, and it defines their actions and all this. Let that go. That's not who you are anymore. You yeah. have a new identity. You're a new person. Totally. Behold, all things have become new. Second yeah. Corinthians 5.17. And so that identity changes even the way, not just how you view yourself, but how you act towards others. Absolutely. You know, you always talk about an invisible prison, and but how I always see it is like almost like a ball and chain, like stuff tied around people with like a cord that just goes off into the deep. Like I can't see the end of the cord attached to people, but it's like I see cords attached to people's ankles around yeah. their waist, and it's just continually holding them back based on what they're identifying as. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we dealt with that yesterday. If you missed the broadcast, go back and watch or listen to the podcast because it will help you immensely. Today, so the the, the final two days, the three levels are the three legs on this stool that we're talking about for relationships. Know your God, know yourself, and then tomorrow, know your, whoever else is in the relationship, spouse, children, boss, whatever, friend, know the other, we've been saying, know the other. Uh, so know your God, know yourself, know the other. And this, I'm telling you, if you'll do this, hey, Quentin, it will help you immensely. We're going to break it down today. Today's part two, know yourself. And uh, this, I can't even begin to stress how big this is because once you start to understand, uh, you guys know that on the broadcast, I often talk about being introspective. That is... It's hard for people. That's hard for it's everybody. very hard for people. Why do you think it's hard? I mean, like, what, what, what do you think? Because nobody... I mean, wants- I agree with you, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> why do you think that is? Well, nobody wants to see their faults. Right. It's really hard for people to look at faults. When they look at faults, they think failure. They think, you know, it, it, I'm not going to be any better than what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And so looking inside at yourself, you see 
faults. And so, you know, it's a hard thing. It's, it's way easier to look at everything else and try to change everyone else around you, try to change just everything, your circumstance. But really, you could change things faster and better just right. looking inward and saying, you know, what can I work on? What do I need to do? Right. That's true. Scroll back up because there was a question from uh, Mary. Mary said, so Ted, if you feel this way about changing your identity, being a tither over being a non-tither is a bit different than bragging about being able to tie your shoes. And Mary's referencing, um, I've uh, said in past broadcasts that there's people that talk about, you know, they, they act like they're doing God a massive service by tithing and they act like they talk about it all the time. Like, oh, I'm a tither. <clears throat> and I say, well, that, that's like, because tithing's such a basic thing on that level, it's like going to work and bragging about being able to tie your shoes. And I stand by that because the point about your identity is you're not only commanded to tithe in the Bible, Mary. So the point is, if, you're, if your identity has truly changed, if your identity has truly changed, you won't just be a tither. You'll be a giver the way that the Bible teaches, that you'll give above and beyond your tithes, which every Christian should be doing, but like 70% of Christians don't even tithe. And then they, and then they get to that level and act like they've done God a service. That's just the beginning. So the identity change comes. And if you're talking about your giving life, when you identify with who God's called you to be, you're not just a tither. You're a tither and a giver and someone who blesses the poor and someone who blesses the man of God. And so the, the, uh, the point I'm making Mary, when I say that is that, uh, you know, tithing is just a basic thing. It's the baseline. It's, it's nothing to brag about. You haven't even given anything. You're just returning to God what yeah. was his. Don't look at it as and giving so, him something. So the identity shift, you're, you're right that, yes, we should identify as tithers. And there's nothing wrong with identifying as a tither. You should. But you never stop there. You continue on to do all of the things that are included in the new identity. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I bless the poor. I even bless my man of God, the one who's sowing into me, which is a biblical principle. The Bible says, and uh, Paul was encouraging the believers. If someone has ministered to you spiritual things, you should minister back to them natural things or from your own resources or your means. And, uh, Carol and I have made a practice of that. Uh, we don't just tithe. We don't just give offerings to our church and other ministries. We don't just bless the poor. And we do all three of those things largely. But the other thing, the, the thing that I think a lot of people miss in this list is that we've made a choice to bless our men of God. So what does that mean? Well, we'll bless random men of God all the time. I mean, all the time. But for those that are continually speaking into us, and we've narrowed it down to uh, our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, and my father, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. And what we've made a choice to do is that we have a seed that's set aside every month for each of them personally, because that's a biblical principle. If they've ministered to you spiritual things, minister back to them natural things. And so we don't stop tithing. It's not in the place of our tithe. We still give large offerings to the church and to other ministries. We still bless the poor every single month, bless them largely. But on top of those things, we bless our pastor with a seed. I'm not talking about a Dunkin' Donuts gift card, although I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying like we've made up in our minds that like we're going to do something. Cash money. Yeah, we're going to do something that's <laughs> significant. We want them to be blessed personally. So for my father and mother, for our pastors, uh, Bishop Rick and Pastor Kathy Thomas, we do something every month for each of them aside from all the others because that is a biblical principle and we're blessed because of it we've never ever had to lack any good thing we've never missed anything we've only abounded because you can't tell me that you can take care of god's system and put him first and his principles first and come last it does not work like that and so we make sure that we have something to put in their hand every month absolutely budgeted in. I mean, yep. that's how my, my mind worked. It's, it's like, I look at it as a payment, you know, nobody has problems paying uh, large amounts to credit card companies every month and, you know, monthly subscriptions that they want. So in my mind, when the Lord asked us to do this, I saw it as it, it's a bill. Yeah. 
And so you like treat it it's, that way. it's on our monthly budget of just like when you list your mortgage and everything else, that's included and and that's how you look at it. We yeah. budget it in and yep. I look at it as a bill. This is how we pay it every month because yep. that you, just, you we're know, not gonna miss you it. wouldn't be late on a credit card bill, you wouldn't be late on a utility bill, you wouldn't be late on your mortgage. That's right. So it's right along the list as I'm not going to be late. This is due every month. So yep. in our mind when a new month comes, we go, oh, okay, well, it's it's due to this man of I mean, God we'll, and it's due to this man of we'll God. We'll remember like this. And, of course, I can't yeah. uh, put it in my father's hand all the time because he's in another state. But cash app, boom. As soon as we cross oh, yeah. over into another month, our bishop, we know we're going to church, we'll ask. Do you have that? You have the money for bishop and Pastor Kathy? You have it ready to give. So we'll have our tithes and offerings in an envelope. We'll have our, uh, if you want to call it a first fruit seed, it's not truly first fruits in that way. But... Uh, just a blessing for the man of God. We have that a seat of honor. We'll call it. We have that in a separate envelope and we'll just, as soon as he comes through, cause the way it w works in our church, usually Bishop will come out from his office, come across the front to his seat. And we usually he'll greet a few people as he's coming to his seat. And right then we'll hand it to him and just, you know, it's just part of the, the routine because we, we understand the Bible principle that you bless those financially that minister to you spiritually. And uh, let me tell you, we've, we've been extremely blessed because of it. Yanil said, uh, just clarifying it, is it on the net or the gross? You always tithe on the gross income. You tithe on the gross because remember this, it's all your money. Just because the government <clears throat> takes some immediately from your paycheck doesn't mean it wasn't your money or else they wouldn't count it towards your taxes. <laughs> it's your money. So you look at the gross and you tithe on the gross. And... Uh, I don't even know how we got off on, on giving. Yeah, we were talking about. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, how did we get here? <laughs> well, we were. We were it's a good Ma topic. I no, like it. No, because Mary was saying oh, that like yeah, identity change. Yep, the right. identity change was tither versus giver. But identity is huge. And it's very, very important that you understand identity is huge. When you come back to this part two that we're talking about today, identity still plays a role. But, and here's the crossover point. And this is so important for those of you to get this. There's a crossover point. So I, all right, now I'm saved and I know that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. But then I say to myself, I realize though, that even though I'm saved, I still have carnal desires. My flesh still wants to do stuff, right? My flesh still wants to get mad at people and not walk in love and not walk in peace. My flesh still wants to scream at people when I get mad and it's still want, all of the fleshly things, right? So we know that because even though we're saved, we still have to deal with a flesh nature. Paul dealt with that. Yeah. So you get it, you get introspective. First of all, you recognize you're not, that your flesh is not going to be perfect until it's perfected when your flesh is glorified, whether in the rapture or at the, you know, it'll always be at the rapture, but the, the second coming of Christ, when the dead in Christ rise out of their graves, your flesh from the grave will be then glorified into a glorified body. That's the only time it's going to be perfect because <laughs> right now you have to put your flesh under, but there's some people that, uh, talk about this. Cause you've heard this phrase that people are like, well, that's just who I am. I, I tell people what I think, love you know, it or leave it. Yeah. It's like, well, you don't really, if you want me to change, you don't really love me cause you don't love the true me. You're trying to change me. And there's people that have that mentality in our generation. It's like, Oh, you don't love me for me because you want me to change, but this is who I am. I speak my mind to people and all that. It's like, yeah, but there is a curbing your own personal personality. Yeah, they use that word perfect too much. I'm never going to be perfect. Just love it for, you know, like he says, for what I am. And so people take that, you know, the whole like, well, yeah, we're never going to be perfect until we're perfected, but we got to work up. Like, let's work up into the point where we get to that point. Let's work up till we get to that area. Yeah. And so it's a constantly where, yeah, I'm not going to be perfected like Christ was on the earth, but I sure as can be close. I mean, there's a reason 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says to imitate him, be imitators of me. So, I mean, there is a, a, a point where we get up to being close, right? being extremely close how Jesus was well, well, let me, let's, on let's, the earth. Let's make this distinction because I don't want people to think that we're teaching you can't live free from sin. That's not what we're teaching. You can live free from sin. In fact, Paul wrote back to the churches and commanded them to live free from sin. 
So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you don't have the power to not make mistakes. What I'm saying is that as long as this flesh is here, it is carnal. And uh, Paul taught this to the Galatians in Galatians 5:17. He said, the flesh is at war with the spirit and they fight against each other so that you're not free to do what you want to do, which is please the Lord. So uh, what I'm not, I'm not saying you can't live free from sin or win the war against sin. Of course you can. But as you're doing that, you will fight this flesh the whole way. You'll fight your flesh the whole yeah. way. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. <laughs> and so you're, it's, you know why that is? Your flesh is not perfected yet. If it was perfected, you wouldn't have to fight against it. If your body was already glorified, then you wouldn't have to fight against it, but you do have to fight against it. And so that's the key she's, she's pointing out that you do have to understand my flesh is going to buffet me or fight against me. It's going to try to come against what I'm doing to please the Lord. And so you, you know that. And then as you know that you can make plans as we talked about to defeat those attacks from your flesh. But how many people have you said, seen that are like that? It's like, oh, you just want to change me, but this is who I am. Like, think about this now. What they're saying is, this is who my flesh is. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Because they're saying, well, I can operate, if a Christian's saying it, well, I can live outside of the fruit of the spirit because this is who I am. It's who my flesh is. And we should focus less on trying to change that person you know, and, and look at ourselves. Like we started with the broadcast and introspective look inside and be like, you know, I had to do that when I got married. I, I always, you know, you've got two people, you know, brought up this, the same way in church and the, that foundation is good, but you have two different personalities raised by two different sets of parents right. that operated differently. Your expectations different are things. different. So when you come together and marriage, you know, anything, a new friendship, new relationship, mm -hmm. there are going to be differences that can be fixed and worked out. Yes. But I came in at, married at 23 with the mindset of changing the other person. There's things about Ted. I had to be changed. Things were never going to be this way unless he changed until the Holy Spirit had to work on me and be like, worry about yourself. What are things that you can change? Your reactions can be different. Your mindset can be different. You need to focus on your spirit man with the Holy Spirit, not focusing on making sure I'm changing every single person around me. Yeah, and, and it was crazy. Um, when you and it makes a world of difference in a marriage. When absolutely. You, when you look at it that way. Well, what or are any we, relationship. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it applies to any relationship. That's what's insane. It's like, it's not just about if you're husband or wife. It's like that thing applies to you and your children. That thing applies to you and your coworkers, applies to you and your boss, applies to you and your fellow um, Christians at church, all of these different things. Kelsey said the same. Me and John had different habits coming together. It would drive her crazy. She had to learn to focus on her own personal growth. All right, so here's the thing. Kelsey mentions that. Uh, one of the reasons, and we were talking about being introspective, looking inside, one of the reasons people don't do it, uh, and someone said it in the comments earlier, Pride can get in the way. I think it was Tyra. Pride can get in the way. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that we would love to think is like, oh, I'm fine. It's their problem. Right. You know, I'm, I'm good. They've got an issue. And that's how the common fleshly mind will always say, well, I'm, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. It's wrong with them. And so they always and push. Nobody them. wants to think they have pride. But then here right. we are going down a rabbit trail. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly true. And so the thing is, when you become introspective, what does it take? to become introspective. Well, number one, it takes humility. Number one, it takes humility. Number two, it takes awareness. Th this is huge because many people, I can't tell you how many people aren't self-aware. They're not self-aware. And you've got to be self-aware and you've got to be humble because you've got to admit, there's gotta be times when you're able to admit, you know what? I'm actually the problem in this situation. I need to change my attitude. I need to change the way I treat people. I need to change the way I talk to people. You know, one of the things that I had to uh, learn uh, as I was coming into maturity and then I was going to minister is, uh, and my cousin Jonathan and I have talked about this on the phone multiple times. We come from a, you may not be able to tell this, but we come from a very strong family. 
The Shuttlesworth family is a very strong family, and we speak very strongly. Uh, if you sat down at a dinner with us and listened to a conversation, uh, for some people, it would feel, they'd it'd freak out. They'd almost be like, these people are all mad at each other. It's like, no, but we just talk forcefully. Like the way I'm talking right now, the way, the way I'm talking right now is how we talk in conversation. You know, we talk like this. I, I could talk to her like this. Like, I, yeah, I'm we, not yelling at you. We it's just, just this is how I talk. Pastor Dross about this. Remember at the Absolutely. table? Absolutely. And Pastor Sharon said, LOL, truth. But like, you know, we can talk very forcefully. It's, it's very demonstrative. So people that don't grow up in a house like that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, take it easy. Like, you don't have to yell at me. I'm not yelling at you. This is just how I talk, you know? And when we get into, <laughs> now when we get into lively debate, if we're talking with each other about something, it, it could be it could be loud, but that's just how our family is. But then as I backed away from that, I started to recognize like that's how we are and that's our family culture. But when I when I talk to other people, they're not used they're not used to anything close to this. Not even close. So to my own self-awareness, I had to be like, I gotta back it down. I gotta back it down. <laughs> To where, you know, when I speak to people, um, you know, I talk, when I talk to people, I have to be like very, you know, understand like they're probably not used to this at all. I've got to just kind of be more calm, more laid back. And it's not because I'm mad or not mad. It's just, yeah, Pastor Sharon said sometimes you're taken as brazen, but it's not that. It's just who you are. Yeah, exactly. It's passion or you're just Puerto Rican. Lena says, right. So, I had to kind of back that down and understand like if I'm dealing with people, talking to people, I can't be that person all the time because they can't receive it. It would actually cause them to either be hurt, offended, whatever. And um, a, an important verse of scripture that I would pull in is say, well, if they are hurt and offended, they just need to toughen up. You know, there's people that think like that. They, they need to just toughen up. They need thicker skin. And and yes, I understand that, you know, we can all work on our... Verse. You want to read it from the New, new no, Living? go ahead. I, I like it in no, the New Living. No, please. Go. No, go. I'm, no. I got another one I'm going to read here. I like that version better <laughs> for this for this scripture. Jeez, Ted, you never take a breath. And well, I'm tired of you always read. pulling up my scriptures. Jeez. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Tiff just ran out the back door. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Read it again. Stop bossing me. I'm telling you to read it again. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Say that. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Yes, exactly. It make allowance. I remember the first time I read that in the New Living Translation, my cousin Jonathan gave me my first New Living Translation for uh, being the best man at his wedding. I had never seen the New Living Translation before. It had just come out. Colossians, Colossians 3, 13. 13. It, the New Living Translation had really just come out. Um, I think the, the copyright on it was 2006. Uh, and he got married in 2006, and so did we. And um, he, I, there might have been one before, but he handed it to me. And I started doing my devotions in it. I loved it. I remember coming across that verse and thinking, wow, that's an awesome way to say that. Because if you read the ESV, it says bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. You know, which is, it's fine. I'm sure, uh, you know, that's closer to like the, the Greek manuscript, but listen to how this dynamic translation make room for one another's faults. That is so plain to, to what you could do practically to make that happen. What are we doing? I, I explained it this way on a, on a broadcast one time, create a buffer zone mm -hmm. where you're like, you know what? People are going to make mistakes. They're going to offend me. They're going to say stuff they don't mean. They're going to lose their temper. They're going to, you know, all those things are going to happen. So if there's no buffer there, then it's just me. It's just my skin and I don't have thick skin. Soon as somebody does something that ticks me off, it's going to either hurt me, offend me, make me angry. Then I change my, you know, then everything flips out. You know, you can't do that. So when you put that buffer zone out there of Colossians 3.13 buffer, make room for one another's faults, make room. Understanding people will make mistakes. And what you gotta do is you gotta have a buffer zone, the 313 buffer. And don't use this though as an emotional roller coaster no. or get out of jail card no. either. On the other side, people. 
Well, you have Morning, Miss Cynthia. You know, I have faults. Right. No, no. Can don't. Make room for them, yeah, it, notice what it says. Make room for others' faults. It doesn't say make room for your own faults. It says make room for the faults of others. You are in control of you, but you're not in control of them. So understanding they're on a journey to get where God wants them to be, but you are correcting you. But then you still say, even though I'm correcting me, I'm making room for other people. But you have to know you to correct you. And that's the point we're making. And so when we, when we deal with that, let me show you where humility comes in and awareness. Listen to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. This is a big scripture. Put it in the comments. Romans 12 and verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Stop there. That's pride. Paul's warning against pride. Don't think more of yourself than you should. Don't think more of yourself than you should. Go further with it. But to think with sober judgment. Sober judgment. Let me break this down real quick. Um, sober, the definition here, clear-headed, clear-headed, <laughs> can't lose, listen to that, sensible and solemn, I want you to think about that, solemn, for example, he has a sober view of life, his expression became sober, it doesn't mean it has nothing to do with alcohol in this context, it means that you are, um, solemn and you're sensible and you're clear headed in your opinion of yourself. It's not grandiose. It's not, uh, beyond reality. You have a sobering view of yourself. You know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm not all that people, you know, that I think that I think I am. Here's the thing, but to think with a sober judgment, I like that word judgment because it implies that you are judging yourself. And Jesus said, if you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. It implies that you have a way of judging yourself by introspection. Each according to the measure of faith that God's assigned. So there it is. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but each one to think with sober judgment. I'll give you a tip. In any situation and every day, as much as you can, get introspective with sober judgment. What does that mean? Take, a, take an actual account of what's been going on in your life the last three days. Take an actual account and say, does all this, all the things I've said and done line up with God's word? You know, I, I stopped doing this and I need to start doing it again because I, I really do think it brings, brings clarity. But I've never really been one because of my lack, because of my cr creative, now this, this is introspective, for my, for my creative personality a lot of times a creative personality suffers in uh, consistency and follow through. And I know that. So because I'm, a, I'm a, a creative person, there are many times, which is why I staff my weaknesses, but there are many times that uh, I suffer in, in consistency in certain things and follow through on certain things because I'm an ideas person, I'm a creative person. And uh, I, I kept it up for a good month and a half, two months maybe, where I was doing a, a short amount of journaling every day. Because it, it, it allows you to become introspective, what happened, what was going on in life, even just the memories of your children and family. But one of the things as you write down what's going on in your life, it allows you to uh, contemplate it. Like, okay, these things happened today. Should that have gone differently? You know what I mean? Should that have gone differently? And I just used an app to do it. But like, just by doing that, you're soberly judging what went on that day. Well, you know, now you can journal by speaking in your notability thing. Ooh, that's exactly, otter. But. See you guys. It's true. They have you, to put up with me. No, it's true. <laughs> but what are we doing? Soberly judging. Take that into account every day. And, and writing things down helps you because it makes you, it actually makes you go through it. Like what, 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 what about that interaction I had with that coworker at my office? Could that have gone better? Did I represent Christ? If then she came back five minutes later and needed to be saved or wanted to know about the gospel, was I in a position? Dear diary. Yeah. <laughs> was was Today, I in a... I walked into the office and I was in a bad mood. 
You were not. <laughs> um, Dear diary, today. <laughs> but it's all, it's absolutely true. I'm sorry. Just what I think about when I think of those things. Dear diary. Sober Today I lashed judgment. out on my neighbor because yeah. their dog pooped in my yard. Yes, don't let that happen again, please. And what I really felt like doing was, no. <laughs> but, I mean, are you going to be able to do it? You know, because if you're not humble about it and you do think more highly of yourself than you're on, there's no need to look at it. journal, Carolyn. Well, think about this. If, if, you think, if you think more highly of yourself than you ought to, there's no point in being introspective, right? Josh, Udy. They can work sometimes. There's no point in being introspective. Right. Because, like... You're, you don't think anything's wrong with you, so why would I look inside? Doesn't right, make any I'll difference journal, at all. I'll journal. <laughs> so stupid. So well, we were talking about this before. Yeah, I mean, I said before service. <laughs> oh, I'm in a lot of services every day. Before the broadcast, I was asking Ted about weaknesses and strengths. Which I don't like. That's a trap for every like man. That, right? That's a trap for every man. Tell me what what's wrong with me. Tell me my weaknesses. <laughs> sure, asking, let me launch into that. I real was quick. asking him that because you said we're. We Josh, were don't talk ever answer about, that question. We were talking about actually knowing you yourself and right. then knowing you. <laughs> you love you, Daryl. My mate. Right, uh, and uh, we're the people that are around each other the most, so, so we can spot the things. So you have to ask things. those questions sometimes. It's, it, but you know. And he no. said I was not a compassionate I person. I didn't say that. He did. No. He said I wasn't compassionate. <laughs> I never said he that. He said that she, now when she's I, making up. No. Nope. Now she needs to be introspective no, no. about lying. No, because you said <laughs> there's times when you should be this way, but you're mean. I didn't say that either. <laughs> so, now she's now she's putting things in my mouth. And then so. <laughs> I said, see, I told you that I, I come to you and say, am I compassionate enough about said, about things? And you just told me that that seat. And that's good. I don't take it as that. I don't need to work on it. See? I, am, I already admit it. I always say to the group that I'm a little broken in certain emotions. And, you know. Which might be, because Brooklyn always tells me, and then my mom tells me, she's like, you know, Brooklyn comes to me and says, I never see my mom cry. <laughs> I cry. So here's, here's the strength and the weakness of that, right? If she's being introspective. So <laughs> number one, there are, me. there are times where, you know, one thing I can say about Carolyn is, is she's not overly emotional. You know, so like, she, uh, she's not like... Uh, <laughs> Like you're not, you're not breaking down, you know, you're not offended by every little thing. You're not breaking down and crying about stuff. You know, you know, one of the, one of the things about that place where you're at is that, yes, that is how you'll react. So, uh, you're very just solid. Like as far as like, you're just consistent on, on that track. I know I'm never going to have to be like, uh, well, for example, probably some of that has been the melding together through our marriage is that, you know, because when we were first yeah, married. Yeah, married to you. You got to be tough. No, I mean, when we first were married <laughs> and we, we were working these things out, there were like far more fights than like now. Like there's like, we, oh, remember we were, because our personalities had not melded yet. I know yet. Tiff might think that some of our conversations are fights. No, they're, they're, they're not. not. They're just strong talking. They're strong like talks. But like in all, in all, <laughs> in all seriousness, like because she's strong and I'm strong. So when we first got married, there were... Um, there were, there were times that like, and we had, she's talked about it on her podcast too. Is like, there were times like the way she dealt with things was like, if I'm mad, I'm leaving and going up into my room and shutting the door Storming and I'm not off. coming out. Yeah. Uh, I'm not coming out. And so it was like, a, we're, uh, we're separating and that's not my personality. My personality is like, let's handle it right now. Let's finish it right now. And uh, so when we would have those fights or whatever at the early part, <laughs> of our marriage, it was like, it was more blow uppy because first of all, our personalities hadn't melded together fully yet. And then also we hadn't determined how to, uh, deal with one another in times of conflict. So because of that, her idea of what you should do when you get in a fight was different than my idea of what you should do. And then that was the, that was the problem. So we had to, we had to fix that. You know, she, she's talked about that at length on her podcast about how like you can't just separate yourself from your husband or your your wife or whatever. You can't break the re relationship off. You can't uh, 
break fellowship. Um, Denise said, usually women need to process. And that's, I, I understand that. Um, <laughs> fellowship, if you know what I mean, everybody. All the fellows in it? the ship. All the uh, fellowship. <laughs> hashtag. So, <laughs> so there, there, there were times where <laughs> she just had to like understand that. And then I understood that there's like, for me, I couldn't just be short about everything. You know, I couldn't just be like, cause like, you know, from the Shuttlesworth family, it's just like, Hey, that's a problem. Let's fix it. It's like, you know, it's like very brash, quick do, you know? So it's like you, you start to realize you both have to meld into a place where you can have peace. And she just did a thing on protect your peace at all costs. That's true. So you pick your battles. You don't, not, not everything has to bother you. You know, you, you let yourself, but that's again, introspection, knowing me, no, recognizing that I was being able to get short real fast or her recognizing that she just uh, disconnects and runs off and, and you know shuts the door and doesn't want to come out. It's those knowing me. That's right, Gina. You know, she watched it. Plan for, for peace. Me. It's knowing me and then saying that's not right about me. And so I had to say that's not right about me being so short on everything uh, or whatever. That that was her saying that's not right about me always running off to lock lock the door and to separate each other. So then, because we can recognize those things, introspection, awareness. The like in my mind, running off and shutting the door was making it over when actually it drags it out mm -hmm. for a really long time. So. And of course, we have always wrong operated. idea on that one. We've always operated on the, uh, on the biblical principle don't of don't let bed. the sun go down on your wrath. And so we don't ever go to bed angry at each other ever. I can't remember, I can't remember if there was one time we've, we've done that where we've just gone to sleep. I mean, not for many years. So there were times. At the beginning. <laughs> Folks, I'm hey. finding out in real time that there were times that she went to bed angry with me. Ted. No. I, I know what you're saying. Come on. I know what you're saying. Come on. But uh, it's true. And, we, and for now, we, we, we talk about that all the time. It's important. Because what happens is you, it, it lingers. Well, then what happens? It becomes an internal hurt because it was never dealt with. And when you don't deal with things, they fester. And they become, it, it's the root of bitterness, Right? It's the, root, it's the root of bitterness. It festers. You start holding grudges. Poor nothing, Ruth. He's got nothing poor. He don't ever feel bad for Ted. Guys, don't I even, need prayer. Whatever. Guys, stretch your hands towards your phone. He's got it so good. Well, you've dealt with that on your podcast. Talk about it. Festers, bitterness, grudges. And then you've got um, husbands and wives that start, you know, um, punishing one another with little things. Like, I'm not going to talk to him. Yeah. You're getting a silent breakfast today. You know, I'm not talking to you. Or it might be like, you know, people use sex, you know. Don't talk about that right now. Oh, excuse me. broadcast. Well, and people use that. Like, well, we're not, <laughs> as Marari said, we're not fellowshipping. Plenty of fellowship is key. It's always um, you that gets embarrassed when I talk about it. No, but I mean, that's true. And then it breaks, then you start breaking things down. The relationship starts breaking down. Now, obviously, this only applies to the husband and wife relationship, not like coworkers and boss and, <laughs> and everything else. But Put your pants back on. Yeah, in all in all honesty, Denise said it gives the enemy a chance <laughs> to increase the situation in your thought life. You cut it off, and let the Holy Spirit work. And so we've we've learned that you have to be uh, introspective and humble because you start to realize. Right. So you know, I'm going to work on my compassion. Your compassion. Well, that's the other thing I no, said. Like I she, told you she night, cares for I, people. At Tom Tomball, remember I came yeah, to you. For sure. I said the the Lord has been um, giving me a new sense of compassion. It's not yeah. that I didn't have it, guys. I have compassion. No, no, it's like you a renewed know compassion. I love you and love people. I mean, I'm in ministry. Right <laughs> now. Yeah, you wouldn't even be in I ministry really if you love didn't love people. people. It's just the emotion thing. It, every everything that you have and do in life is a balance. Mm -hmm. And so that's just, and so I was asking him today, so we're gonna work on, or talk about knowing yourself and knowing the other person. So that's why I asked him, I yeah. said, what are things, what are my weaknesses? And he wouldn't finish telling me. So hopefully by the end of the day, I have more that I'll know about. I'm gonna make a whole list. It's okay, I'm asking. Pages. It's not Front a and back. It's not a trap. <laughs> I'm uh, not like look that. How, look you how, know uh, that about me. Look at look at how poetic uh, Diane was. Scroll back up, Tiff. Look how she said this so poetically, like it was from a devotional. Catch the little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love. 
That was good. I'm writing that down. Vineyard of love. I have to go home and get ready with our vineyard of love. Um, but it, it's true. It's absolutely, people knew, friends, 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 Ross, people knew. <laughs> but it's, it's true though. You have to catch it at the beginning. Don't let it fester. Don't let it become uh, a grudge, a problem. It just stretches just out through your marriage. Think of it as a seed. Just any seed that gets it's watered is going to grow. Yep. And, and, so then, and then it just What get, do you want to grow in your relationship? What do you want to grow in your own life? That's a good point. So talk about that, the seed time and harvest <laughs> Stop aspect. Stop doing that to me. No, I like that. <laughs> Creating seeds <laughs> that you want to grow in you and in and your relationship. It. Yeah. So, I mean, like, how do you go about, you make up your mind saying, you know, this is what I want to see in the long term. Talk about it, Ted. No, you talk no, about you it. talk about talk it. About talk it. about it. You talk about it. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's creating us. Okay. So here's, here's something I want to see in the long term. <laughs> this is something that I want to be a major part of a relationship. So what seeds do I sow in order to make sure that that's going to be seen? I like that. Uh, I mentioned this when I was uh, preaching in Tomball. Uh, I heard this pastor tell a story where a man in his church came to him and said, um, pastor, I don't know what to do. I just don't love my wife anymore. Like I don't love her. I'm not in love with her or whatever. What should I do? And the pastor said to him, go home and love your wife. And he said, no, I don't think you understood what I was telling you. Like, I don't love her anymore. I'm not in love with her, whatever. And the pastor said, yeah, I heard you. Go home and love your wife. Because love is an action word. Love is always an action. It's not a feeling. It, it's an action. Love can only be seen when it comes through an action, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. And that's why we'll deal with this tomorrow a little bit more on uh, understanding uh, how you're partner, your child, your coworker, how they feel loved and how you feel loved. It's important, but love's an action word. It can only ever be seen when an action is paired with it. So whether that's be, whether that be the way you speak to someone, affirming words and whether, whether it be that, whether you give gifts, whether you, with your husband or wife, whether you're affectionate with them, you spend time with them, you do things for them, you, you help them, you know, whatever it might be. Only way that love is seen is through an action. So what the pastor was telling that husband was, you go home, though you don't feel it in your heart, you go home and take actions of love until you feel love again. He was telling him, forget how you feel. Forget your feelings. Go home and take the actions of love until you feel the love again. And that, that was the most profound thing to me because uh, you don't have to feel something in order to do something. Yeah. You know, God's word has given you nine seeds. It's the fruit of the spirit. Right. Those, to me, are nine seeds. You yes, said, they are. What are, you know, seed times and, and harvest you talked about a minute ago. You said just talk about. And then um, someone up there wrote, oh, I think it was Ruth. She was like, you know, plant what you want to see grow. And that's, there you go. You don't, I, people like make this living God's way almost a little on the hard side. Like they feel like they've got to search for something extravagant and I got to figure this out and I got to do that when it's like, no, everything's listed right here. And so he's given us nine seeds, yep. of nine fruit of the spirit. And those are ones that you plant yeah. and it produces fruit. Fruit is, comes from a seed. It has to grow. That's right. And that's what you need to do. You need to every day wake up. Like I talked about the other day, you plan for peace. Yes. You wake up and get those nine seeds watered every day. Yeah. And watch it grow in your life and your relationship and who you are. No question. I, this, this came up into my mind because I was taking notes. I was reading that book, How Successful People Think by John Maxwell. The, as when I said that thing about the pastor, this popped up because I'd written this down. And I want you guys to write it down because it's, it's really, it's a great thought. He said, you can act your way into feeling long before you can feel your way into action. I love that. You can act your way into feeling long before you can feel your way into action. I'm going to say it one more time. You can act your way into feeling long before you can feel your way into action. So, right, that's talking about the difference between 
uh, passion and discipline, passion and discipline. You can act your way into feeling long before you can feel your way into action. It's passion versus discipline. People that depend on passion to make things stick in their life, they always stop those things when the passion's gone. That's why we have something called Quitter's Day on like January 12th or 18th or whatever it is. That's the day, if you can believe it, when the average person stops their New Year's resolutions. Not March, not April, January 12th or January. Yeah, January 18th or 12th. So what are they doing? They were depending on passion of a new year to go to the gym every day. And when the passion was gone, they quit what they wanted to do in their life. But if you depend on discipline over passion, you'll do it no matter how you feel because you just know, hey, at at, at 7 a.m. in the morning, I get up and get my gym clothes on and I go to the gym. It's just what I do. I don't care how I feel about it. It's what I do. My feelings have nothing to do with whether or not I have my gym clothes on at 7 a.m. and go to the gym. Has nothing to do with that. It's, It's all about my discipline. And so that's what he's talking about. You can act your way into feeling long before you can feel your way into acting. So if you're always depending on a feeling to do something, because here, here's, the, here's the question for you. What do you do when you know the Bible says you should walk in love, but then you're like, I don't feel like walking in love towards them. They deserve, they deserve getting told off, right? So I know the Bible says to do it, but I don't feel like doing it. So if I'm based, if my walking in love is based on passion, that just like Jesus said, anybody can love their friends. The world does that. Can you love your enemies? Can you pray for those that spitefully use you? And see, that's, that's really where the identity comes in. It's like, okay, now I'm not depending on passion to do it. Now I'm depending straight discipline to do it. It's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. And that's what she's talking about is that you just have to make a choice that this is what I'm going to do with me. Because you can, as I, again, you can't control other people, but you can control you. And uh, this popped up as, as a, uh, another quote that I think we talked about this, about being offended. And we talked about the fact that offense is an, a, is an action, but being offended is a choice. Yeah. Offense talk is an action. Talk about it, Ted. But being offended is a choice. <laughs> so like someone may cre- commit an offense against you right? But then now you have a choice. All right. They've committed an offense. Mm -hmm. Do I choose to be offended or do I just forgive them and move on? Because I can't control whether or not they commit an offense, but I can choose whether or not I get offended. And that is massive. That's massive. And like, how many people do you think feel justified in just being offended? Just got back from Wuhan, China. Just cough. Um, But how how many? Oh, you're turning your mic off to cough. Yeah. If you just put your hand over your mic. (laughs) Sorry, she just got back from Wuhan, China. She was visiting a laboratory there, doing some work. It's the variant now. Um, Yeah. Um, People are started calling it Delta variant. (laughs) I'm thinking they're talking about the airlines. Oh. I was like, what, are they, what is Delta doing now? Yeah, I thought That's it was literally a, what I was thinking about for the longest time. I thought it was Just a movie coming out. I was like, I can't wait to see the Delta variant. That sounds good. <laughs> Who's in that? It's like, it's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling in As the Delta see, variant. We're really moved November by 12th. what's going on out there. Yeah, I, but in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, it was a movie and I thought it was an airline. <laughs> <laughs> when does the Delta variant come out? I can't wait to see that. Um. But in all, in all honesty, <laughs> Mike said, I'm sure someone was offended by the Wuhan Probably. comment. Um, when, when we're dealing with uh, the action you take, how many times have you seen people that they immediately feel justified in retaliation? Oh, well, you did that against me. So now guess what's going to happen to you? Like they feel justified. Christian people. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know. When you look back at where offense even was stemmed from, it was Satan who got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be more powerful or just like the Most High God and was offended when, <laughs> when he was told, uh, sorry, buddy, you know. And offended again out. when God created Adam and Eve in his likeness and yeah. image. And so you can see how dangerous being offended is and how nasty 
and, and really evil. It's, it's stemmed from pure evil. I know people don't tend to think offense connected with that word, but right. it truly is stemmed from pure, pure evilness totally. from the enemy. An offense stops, it's like a plug in your life. It stops prayers being answered. It stops uh, miracles and healings taking part in your life. You know, think about when the woman, the Gentile woman, sat at the the feet of Jesus when the setup was where he was eating, and then she needs a miracle for her daughter, and, you know... But it's not her time because back then Gentiles were not looked at that way. You know, Jews were were it. And so she said, but even the dogs get crumbs. Right. And, and you know, and when you are, you know, Jesus referred as, as a dog to her. She could have said, you know what? I'm not a dog. You know, right. I, I'm not taking this. Who, who are you anyway? That's you right. Know, he, she could have built up this. Oh, who does uh, Jesus think pride, he is? Yeah. Call, call me a dog. Calling me a dog. And, you know, in this day and age, when you think of someone being called a dog, you think of a bad curse word. So then you're thinking like extreme, like, who, 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 who is this guy? Right. I'm, I'm offended. There's lots of times in the Bible people could have been offended at Jesus. That's and right. lost that on their miracle. But he was so impressed with her answer that the healing flowed and she got her miracle. Yep. Same with, with uh, Peter and fishing. He could have been offended that Jesus said, hey, go back out and cast your net. Yep. Luke go five. back out and cast them. That's right. Because there's something you missed. And he was like, you know, uh, a fisherman by trade, professional. You know, he supplied the fish for the people in the market. He was well known. Right. You know, he provided jobs for people. So it's not like he was just somebody out casting a line, right. you know, doing like a hobby. He was known for his trade, what he did. Right. And he could have been offended again at Jesus and said, who do you, who are you? Who do you think you are? I'm yep. the fisherman. You're just some guy standing on the shore, right? <laughs> you know, calling out to me. Because he wasn't he a disciple not, yet. He might not even have been able to tell who it was right. from the distance of the boat. You no, know? no, no, no. He, he, he wasn't even a disciple yet. Jesus got in his boat yeah. on the shore. And, and then after he taught, he said, now push out into the deep for a catch. He was not yet called to be a disciple. He was still fishing. No, I know. I'm saying so he didn't. He, I'm saying like the distance. He might not have been able to see, you know, who was talking to him. And he could have been offended in that moment. And then he would never have dropped the nets and never would have received, like, because his offense, your offense doesn't just affect your life. Your offense can affect other people around you. It's like a vicious cycle. Right. Because look, if Peter never cast the net to get the fish, he was able to provide food and, and other nets for other people. Right. So it wasn't just... Peter that got the miracle, it was everyone that was connected to Peter. Yep. But that could have dried up and that could never have happened if he never, uh, if he never listened and got offended. He would never have received anything and the people connected him would have been left out just as much. Absolutely. So it's not just it, it you. It affects everybody. You have to think of not just yourself, but others, how it can affect you and, and others by being offended like that. Before we pray for you, let me show you one verse of scripture in James chapter three, that is uh, very interesting along these lines because think about offense. What, why does someone get offended? Because in their mind, you have come against who they are, right? Either you've spoken down to them or what, whatever. What is that? It's pride. It's based on self-ambition. You have treated me in a way that I feel is now right for me to rip your head off because you've contradicted my self-ambition. I think more highly of myself than I ought to think. And now, instead of judging myself, I'm just going to react the way I feel like reacting out of my flesh because you have contradicted my selfish ambition. So now I want you to look at James 3 and listen to this. The Bible says um, in James 3.16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. You see that? Wherever jealousy and self-ambition exist, there will be disorder and every 
vile practice. Every wicked thing will be there. So if you know that, you know, that's why the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's how it works. And so what, one of the things, we're, so what are we dealing with? Yesterday, know your God. It's a new identity, but now you've got to know yourself. How do you, how do you get into that? Pure humility. You have to keep yourself in a place of humility. And when you look in, you say, okay, in all honesty, if I'm, and, and how do you know what's right and what's wrong? You're comparing your life, your actions, your thoughts to the standard of the word of God. That's how you know if something needs to change. It's not subjective, it's objective. <laughs> There's a difference between objective truth and subjective. That's what they, everybody wants to say today. Well, your truth is not my truth. What's good for you is not good for me. No, there's a standard. It's the word of God. Yep. This defines, it's like a mirror for your life. You look into it and you say, do I look like what this says I should look like? And when you see contradictions between your own life and what the Bible says, then you know the Bible's never wrong. I got to change me. So when you are humble enough, to look into the word and say, what is it about me that I need to change? And of course the Holy Spirit helps you because he convicts you. So when you begin to treat somebody wrong or whatever, speak wrong, he'll convict your heart. And then you're like, all right, I get that. Now I need to, I need to make the change, but it takes humility to look and it takes humility to change and say, you know what I'm going to do? And this is not a cliche because speaking even to single people, you know, it sounds cliche, but like, it's, it's truly not. It's just been said a lot of times. Just because something is, uh, you know, trite doesn't mean it's untrue. That is something you hear a lot with youth groups and dating and all that. But rather than trying to find the perfect person, make yourself the perfect person to be found. What does that mean? You're already working on yourself before you meet that person. You're already working on yourself as you are still in that place searching so that if I, I mean, think how beneficial, if I can locate the things that are, uh, hangups in my life before I meet somebody and correct them and notice them and work on them before I meet somebody, how much more smooth is that process going to be when you come together with that person? Because they don't have to tell you about it. You've already located it. You know what I mean? And there's, and it's not like first five years of like throw down, drag, you know, drag out whatever fights. It's like, you know what? I've recognized these things about myself ahead of time and I'm working to correct them by the Holy spirit and by the word of God. The, the, the smoothness is going to blow your mind. Same with your coworkers, same with people at church, same with your children. You know, there's a reason the Bible says don't provoke your children to wrath because <laughs> it's possible for a parent to so know how to get under a child's skin that they always do it until their children are so frustrated that they just blow up. And we're commanded as parents not to be those people. Don't provoke your children to wrath. And so you know these things. Where, where do I need to work on me? It takes humility. I wish that was a thing for siblings. Just for siblings. siblings. Don't provoke your brother or sister to wrath. <laughs> we have a little sibling stuff going on, a little correction. Yeah, but I mean, as you see people grow, Maddie's getting ready. I mean, she's gonna be 12. And then 13 teenager and her and Brooklyn are already like at the place where they're going back and forth. Brooklyn's seven, Maddie's 11. Right. And so Brooklyn's yeah. doing things to get attention from her older sister who's not really around anymore. And Maddie's trying to control her emotions when the things happen. And <laughs> you got, I'm going to send this broadcast to Maddie's phone. This introspective. She knows it's a. No, I mean, she it's knows. probably mom, me on repeat with with all of them with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is going to be such an important broadcast because we've got some things that I want to share with you, Carol. Will share with you that are really. If you don't have these in place, I'm just here for moral support. Thank you. Can you rub my back, please? If if you miss these. It really... You're doing a good job, babe. Oh, thank You're you. You're a really good preacher. Oh, thank you. I love you. Thank you. Words of affirmation. You're a great teacher. Thank you. And I'm rubbing his back because he's physical touch. You know, he the other thing too is like, I did your voice yesterday with a piece of paper and what said all I these things. Like? He sounded like uh, Lady yeah. Elaine from Mr. Like a Rogers. Like smoker? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're so handsome, Dad. Um, but it's true, like, 
if, if you miss out on interaction, how you should interact, then you'll miss out about everything when it comes to dealing with other people. And again, it's not just husband and wife. It's children, it's coworkers, it's fellow believers, it's your pastor, it's your boss, it's, it's your family members. You know how many people we have that write in that are like, how do you deal with a family member that's just belligerent and, and, and unsaved and whatever? You know, you know how many times we get that? How do you react to like family members that aren't saved that think you're nuts and they, you know, they don't live for the Lord, but they want your kids to come over and hang out and they do stuff that you don't approve of. All these things, tomorrow's gonna be important. We're dealing with that. How do you know the others? How do you know the others that are in your life that are in relationship with you and how knowing them can affect the success of that relationship? It's very important, but we want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you so much for your anointing, your spirit and your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to every one of us today supernaturally. I pray that if there's anybody that's dealing with pride in their life, let that be broken today by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let humility come into every person's heart, every person's mind. Don't ever let us, Lord, think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But Lord, I ask you to put humility and meekness into the heart of every man and woman that's watching or listening in Jesus' name. And as we walk in humility, as we walk in meekness, we thank you, Lord, that promotion is coming for every one of us. Your word declares, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Your word declares that you give more grace or favor to the humble. So Lord, let us humble ourselves uh, in your presence and in the presence of others and let us walk humbly and in a meek way in the mighty name of Jesus and let our relationships flourish like they never have in the wonderful name that's above every name, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for it. Amen. Listen, um, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed and to partner with this ministry. Those of you that are partnering with this ministry, if you just logged on, you don't know, and you're just hearing about it for the first time, we have certain things going on. Of course, we bless our partners monthly, but we've got something coming up called the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend on November the 12th and the 13th. We're going to be doing it in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And for those of you that are partnering with us at $85 or more each month, we're going to, we want you to come join us. You can put the slide up. We want you to come join us in Allentown, Pennsylvania for the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend. It's a Friday night, November 12th at the church for a revival service. And it's November the 13th. It's a Saturday afternoon for a lunch that we are providing at the Renaissance Hotel, beautiful hotel in Allentown. It won't cost you a dime. We're buying lunch for you. We just want to hang out with you, spend time with you. Uh, questions, answers, show you where the ministry's headed, mark it on your calendar now. We want to see you that Friday and that Saturday in November. Um, and those of you that have, maybe you've not yet stepped up to the level of partnership, but you stand with us on a monthly basis. This would be the time, uh, because let me tell you, we want to see you in person. And so people that partner with this ministry stand with us at $85 a month or more. doesn't have to be all at one time. If you did like you know, if you say like, well, I give $22 a week or whatever that is, uh, whatever you do, you, you hit that $85 a month or more category. You're standing with us in partnership, believing God for this generation to be touched with the gospel. Uh, we want to do something to just spend time with you and bless you and be there with you in person. So mark it on your calendars. Cause we want to see you in November in Allentown, PA, uh, revival and lunch. The revival service is open to everybody on Friday night. So anybody that wants to come and be a part of that, you're welcome to come and be a part of it. And then the Saturday afternoon lunch, and, and by next week, we'll have an RSVP up on the website where we know you're coming, we know who you're bringing, uh, and it's gonna be awesome. But uh, it's a Saturday afternoon at the Renaissance Hotel, and the menu looks awesome. I can't wait to get there with you guys. We'll have new merch and everything there for you. It's gonna be great. I can't wait for it. So People want to know if we'll have Victory Tribe merch before then, which we should. Yeah, we, we should. We yeah. should have shirts and stuff ready to go. I've already uh, finished some designs and we've gotten uh, quotes, so we're just working on getting it all out the door. But people say, well, how do you partner? What is the way to partner? The way to do it is to go to miracleword.com and click on the partner page. You will see everything that we are doing. You'll see all that's in, involved um, with being a partner, all that we're doing as a ministry, all that we're doing for you as we pray for you, we bless you. Uh, and so go to miracleword.com, 
Those that partner, we have, uh, you can partner by debit or credit card on the website. You can mail a check. You can use PayPal. But we, we have a way that we know that you're every month uh, standing with us. And we say thank you. Those of you that are sowing a one-time seed, there's many ways you can do it. You can use the website, PayPal, Cash App, Zelle. You can use a Venmo. You can use hashtag donate. And uh, we're, we're, we're saying thank you for staying with us. For the month of July. Oh, look at Lee Hooker. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, Lee. We'd love to see you guys there. Bethany Hooker, Lee Hooker, we love them so much. It was great to see you in Tomball. You can fly into Allentown, but you can also fly into Philly, which yep. is a bigger airport. You just Might get drive cheaper a little flights bit. there. Mm -hmm. uh, how long is the drive Philly to Allentown? I don't remember. About an hour? Maybe a little, just shy over more, just an hour. About an hour. So if you get a better flight going into Philadelphia, there is an Allentown airport, but it's smaller. So yeah, check out Philly too, for those of you that are flying in. Um, Kim said, love the hookers. I love the hookers too. Um, for, the, for the month of July, Liz said it's like an hour. Um, we're sending you this John G. Lake on healing. This man had a powerful healing ministry. And uh, this is his... Uh, compiled teachings and writings on the subject of healing. It's our gift to those that are partnering uh, this month. Uh, all you got to do to get it, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, and we'll send it to you. Luenda said, I'll wear Victory Tribe merch to, I, to, to work. Out. It's coming out. Oh, absolutely. What a segue to share Jesus. I agree with you. Oh, uh, really um, close. It's very close, Janine. The church is close to the hotel. In fact, when I, when I preach at that church, that's the ho hotel that I stay at is the Renaissance. It's beautiful. You'll love it. Um, Kim said, definitely coming. So excited. Blessed to be a partner. We're blessed to have you. All of our partners. I believe we have the best partners there are of any ministry. I really believe that. Uh, we love you guys a ton. So we want to see you. We'll have more information coming soon. Um, tomorrow, 1030 AM, the queen is back on the broadcast. And then you have a broadcast tomorrow afternoon. No, we're leaving to go to Upwork Conference. I forgot. We're le I, I keep thinking Just we're leaving on Thursday. More wrong things while you're on the broadcast. I keep thinking that we're leaving Thursday, but this it starts on Thursday. Denise said road trip. That's what I'm talking about. Love Denise and Glenn. <gasps> we can all stay at the Renaissance. That's exactly you know, right. You got like a book coming out next week. You want to know? Well, you have a book but coming out next know. week. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tiffany has a book coming out next week uh, on photography. Uh, Tiffany will also be joining us on the broadcast tomorrow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lillian said, nice to, <laughs> nice to see you real, Carolyn. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. We're Have a blessed day. We're getting information in the back on to wrap it up. So we love you. We'll see you tomorrow We'll see you tomorrow at 1030. Later. <laughs>